0: thomas parry
1: matt boyle how you doing you alright? right
0: yeah i'm good (laughs) um i'm i'm all right but are you prepared to go on a journey back in time say a good 120 odd years maybe a bit more 140
1: before video games before video games
0: my gosh I know, there was such a time, Tom Parry. And i am I'm gonna take you there. It's Tom I'm at Attack. Video games, Tom Parry, believe it or not, right, there was a, a precursor to video games. And they were just called board
1: games. Oh, we're not talking about board games now, are we, mate?
0: And and if you wanted to to play a game against someone, you had to physically get something out of a, a cupboard. And you had to dust it off because you haven't played it in a while. You had to set it up and then you play against someone. Well, that, that depends.
1: You could have the same situation with a video game. Say you haven't played your uh, Mega Drive for a while, you take it out of the attic, you dust it off, and you play uh, whatever. I don't even want to know how dusty my
0: Mega Drive is, to be honest with you. I saw um, people talking about Soleil.
1: Oh, some sort of RPG, yeah, for the Mega yeah, Drive? Yeah,
0: it's creepy. Crusader Century, I think it's called on the Genesis. Um just people talking about how expensive that game was, and I was like, oh well I should probably play this eventually. I've had it for ages. It's like Atlas' is Zelda. And I was like, oh, but then I have to go in the attic. Oh, I have to get the Mega Drive down.
1: Oh, I don't want to do that. Um if so instead you have them all hooked up if you can.
0: Yeah, but I don't. And this is the thing, like, I don't even really have a CRT set up in a nice, easy to get to place because I've got a cheap L C D screen that I use for the boy graphics and that's kind of the one that's set up in the spare room, but that doesn't really cut the mustard when it comes to playing old consoles that kind of need aerial inputs, aux inputs. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: Anyway, that's a tangent to say Tom Parry. Last week I believe I talked about it slightly on the podcast, but then I didn't actually go into detail about it. We recorded slightly later last week because I had been out on a jolly, out on a little gallivant um, on the Sunday morning when we usually record, uh, to a toy market. And on that toy market, I, as you saw on Twitter, I bought a box for Wave Race, which was nice, because I didn't have a box for Wave Race, so that was a nice £1 upgrade. Um, I bought a copy of Rayman... Advance for the Game Boy Advance, and also a copy of Banjo Pilot, which is a game I thought I've had multiple times, but I know I've bought Grunty's Revenge like three times by accident. Which is an okay position to be in. Of those two games, probably Grunty's Revenge is the one you want. But, that's either here or there, Tom Parry, because what happened afterwards was we went to second-hand shop they they have these in denmark it's kind of like an indoor flea market where as you know people set up stalls and then they put all their bric-a-brac on it and you go and you have a sift through and you go hmm how much for that well, it's like a market. jacket yeah,
1: an indoor market
0: yeah kind of but it's just people's crap There's there's not really that much useful stuff there is there so it's, it's not an like you indoor going... car boot sale yeah, exactly. It's just like people leave it on the shelves. They don't have to stand there and go, right there, Pokemon cards, 15 quid. Oh, right.
1: the, no, they have that yeah. in the UK. It's like if you go to an antique emporium, you know.
0: Yeah, kind of. Yeah. But, like, it's a cross between that and a car boot sale for those who haven't seen them and those who don't live in Denmark. Yeah. And so I went there and. While I was having a pot around, I saw some games. I saw some toys. I was like, "Hmm." I ended up buying a load of like vintage stickers, as I showed you before we recorded. Um, Have you stuck was, them uh... anywhere
1: interesting yet?
0: No, I haven't. They're still actually by the side of the computer from last time we recorded.
1: it has got a sticker of Lamar from uh, who sang "Neverending Story."
0: Yeah, he's half-naked, but yeah. there was also um, a Revenge of the Jedi sticker in tune. Yeah, so these
1: almost. are circa eighty, nineteen eighty. It says
0: 1984. On I think on that's
1: interesting, because the Jedi, what, came out in eighty-three.
0: Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, that's really weird. Hmm, okay. I guess they just had the asset lying around, and they thought, why not? Let's use the old poster. <laughs> Anyways, um... <laughs> I I had a, a look around, and because of that, I I saw some board games. I was like, oh, you, you don't often see good board games of these things. And my sister-in-law's been asking me to try and find an English copy of Scrabble. So when I look at board games now, I'm like, okay, is there a copy of Scrabble here? And weirdly, right, in Denmark, I find lots of copies of Scrabble. They're all English on the side of the box. And it's only when you pull them out and look at the box that you realise it's in Danish, and you're like, ah, shit. But as I was doing that, as I was sifting through these board games to see a copy of Scrabble, I couldn't help but notice that there was a copy of Othello. Um, Are you familiar with Othello at all?
1: I've heard of it. I can't tell you how you play it, though.
0: Right, essentially what Othello is, is a grid of 8x8, and you have little pieces that are black on one side and white on the other they kind of look like drafts Mm -hmm. but the whole idea of it is you put one down and then you put a a counter next to it and then that flips it over so you're kind of trying to sandwich your opponent's pieces and depending on where you place them on the board you can either go vertically horizontally or diagonally so you can essentially put one piece down and flip like 30 pieces over
1: you already mentioned one piece this episode
0: Oh, there we go, I've ticked it off. Don't worry, I'm gonna talk a lot more about it. Um and so I bought this copy of Othello because Nintendo has a history with this game. Like it was one of their first arcade games. They made one of those set top box things that they were doing before they were doing consoles, like the breakout version, so like they, they have a history with Othello. There's a game-by-game game for Othello. There's actually two. There's one called Othello, and there's one called Othello World, which is also on the Super Nintendo and a host of other things. And so it's it's always been a game that I've been curious about. And at the time, my mother-in-law was here, and so I was like, oh, great, here's a board game that's quite easy to explain, that doesn't require language. This will be excellent. We can play this some nights. Didn't. Like snakes America and ladders. Yeah, kind of. I mean... We've we've played board games before <laughs> to bridge the language barrier, and interestingly enough, I'd also seen that Othello is used sometimes with patients who have either severe dementia or some some disease that attacks the brain, and it's kind of used in rehabilitation therapy to get people thinking again. And I was like, right. okay, this, this seems good. Anyway, we played a couple of games with it. She's There's all right, actually, your
1: mother-in-law, by the way. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Totally <laughs>
0: just after you um, that. No, 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 no. I, I played it a couple of times with the wife and I was like, Oh, this is this is quite an interesting game. The box says a a minute to learn, a lifetime to master. And I I do think there is some truth to that. And so now with the wife away for a couple of days, I've just kind of been like, Hmm, maybe maybe I should play a bit of Othello. Maybe I should get into this. And so what I've been doing over the last three or four days is essentially playing every single form of Othello I can find on a modern console.
1: Okay, so I think so, I might have already had a hint that you were doing this because I saw you were on the Switch earlier playing something... wasn't called Othello, though. It had another name. Yes,
0: right. So Othello Tom Parry... Dates back, as I mentioned, to 1883. Originally, Othello was called Reversi.
2: Uh,
0: and there's that's... there's two English gentlemen, uh, one called Lewis Waterman and one called John W. Mollett, who both claim that they invented Reversi. And essentially, what they originally did was like they sold chess, they sold it as like an add on to your chess boards to be like, oh, you can use your chessboard to play this other game. Wow. See, DLC Tom <laughs> Parry existed in board games long before it did here. And so they essentially made this thing. And then at some point, I believe in the 1970s, there was a Japanese inventor called Goro. Hasegawa, I think his name is, or is it Satoshi Hasegawa? Wikipedia has difficult things. And essentially, what he did was, at first, he claimed, Yeah, well, I, I played Reversi and I made it better. And then he was like, No, I didn't. I played Go, which is like a Japanese chess game, and I made it myself. I'm brilliant. And so, there's this weird thing now where. There is an officially licensed thing called Othello that's owned Mm. by a Japanese toy company. And then there is Reversi.
2: And
0: I'm going to be honest with you, for my money, from what I've played in these video games, I see no discernible difference between the two. I'm sure if I went back and I got like an 1800s version of it, from what I could see on Wikipedia, they're different colours. They're blue and red instead of black and white. Right. But, the core concept of reversi slash othello slash renegade for some reason in the nintendo 51 worldwide games collection is a generally quite easy game that actually has a lot of strategy to it and so i've been kind of going in and out and playing a lot of these games over the last couple of days trying to find one that would have some degree of tutorial to it or something you know that could teach me a little bit more about playing this game so i can get better at the physical one and there are well there's four games technically on the switch other than 51 worldwide games which as i said is called renegade as you'd expect from that collection that version of it's pretty bare bones it's just playing against computers of difficult difficulties like you can up the ai difficulty on it it doesn't really give you a lot more than that there is an officially licensed othello game that's made by arc system works actually and i was like oh great an arc system works game this'll be great and have in-depth tutorials no it is very very bare bones um it is just straight othello there is there's no there's not even an online mode to it. It is hmm. just, hey, if you want to play Othello against someone in your room, you can. Um, or you can play AIs of varying Difficulty. And I, I played the toughest one just to be like, hmm, let's see how this is. And I got absolutely trounced, like, <laughs> immediately. Um, there was There's a version of it called Reversi Let's Go. I believe it's developed by a studio called Amateur. And that has probably been the one I've spent the most time with because other than it having a regular Othello mode that has a, you know, like, variant difficulties, the same thing you'd expect and everything, you can play it online. There is a multiplayer component to it. And there is also end moves, which I don't know if you've ever seen, like chess things in a newspaper but essentially from what I understand about chess is if you want to learn chess you learn moves like you learn like okay this Mm. is the opener, these are the closers and a lot of like I, I remember seeing them in like the times when I was a kid and in the Guardian they would have like end moves of chess to be like you have two moves win this game in two moves and so a lot of what reversey slash othello is is about those end moves because by the time you have a lot of pieces on the board as i said you can kind of throw one piece down and change like 30 pieces on the board if you're very good if you've thought about the board enough to be able to do that you can make massive changes in the last couple of moves and so the The British Othello Association tutorial I was watching on YouTube essentially said, it's not about having the most tiles, it's about having the best positions on the board. So, yeah, long and short of it is, I've played an absolute shit ton of Othello. It sounds to me like you're
1: really into it, yeah.
0: I mean, see, the thing is, right, I've been, you know, I've, I've been listening to audiobooks, I've been listening to podcasts, I've been trying to catch up on things to... You know, distract myself from the terrifying world outside of video games and everything else. And it's just a nice game to play that makes you think Hmm. and you can do something else (coughs) while doing it. There is also, there's two other weird Othello games on the Switch. Um, One of them is called Sushi Othello. And the whole idea is there—you're trying to like flip the pieces in a way that kind of springboards the sushi around. I didn't actually buy it because it was like fifteen quid, and I was like, "I'm sure this is fun. I'm sure this is alright, but it—it's it, not really what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Like, this seems mm-hmm. more like the Domino's Extreme or Domino's Express version of Othello. Yeah, you Black want the more pure version. Yeah, and I also played. Another version of it that the name escapes me, but essentially what it is is four player Othello on different shaped boards. And that was a level of Othello that I was like, wow, this is more interesting actually because it's kind of like Othello Battle Royale. But at the same time, I still don't have the basics for Othello yet, so maybe. Well, you, you started.
1: By saying it was a relatively easy game to learn,
0: yes, it is,
1: but hard to master. Yes, but it still still sounds like so you you know how to play it basically. You're just trying to master the game. Is this? Uh...
0: I'm just trying to get good at it. Like honestly, even playing the the normal difficulty in 51 worldwide games hmm. was hard. Like I lost a good few times before I beat the computer there, and I was like, "Shit!" Like this ramps up to like insane difficulty. So, so
1: you said you said also, you you say you played it with your mother in law, or that's the plan?
0: No, I, the plan was to play it with her, but I just ended up playing it with the wife.
1: Okay, so you have played. So how was it you and Marta playing it?
0: Well, me and Marta playing it was okay. Like this is the thing, because both of us are just like we yeah. we watched a quick YouTube tutorial about to play it, and I was like, "Oh, this is easy." Okay we we had fun playing it and it was very easy but then you know it's like chess right you can play chess but as they say you oh, what was I watching the other day I was watching a series and someone had it a really oh I was in um, Ricky Gervais's Afterlife season 3 where the the girl in the office who sells the ads goes out on a date with some guy who's a teacher and he's a pretentious prick Tim Key yeah, and she's yeah. just like, she's like, oh well, everyone knows how the chess pieces move. It doesn't mean you know how to play. Mm. Um, and I think maybe there's some truth. So yeah, you that. get more
1: enjoyment out of it once you understand the game better. And yeah, you know what you learn what you can do in the game. You're playing it at a basic level, and while that's fun, you wanna, you know, master it basically.
0: Well, I mean, I don't even know if I want to master it, to be honest with you. I just kind of want to understand the depth of the game, and I think okay. now I'm getting there. Like, there's, I watched this, like I said, this British Othello thing that was like, oh, these are the names for the squares and mm. all this kind of stuff, and I was like, I don't know if I need this level. So of I shouldn't detail.
1: get you a I love Othello T-shirt quite yet.
0: Not quite yet i mean to be fair i'm having a lot of fun playing these different games it's been it, it's actually quite nice like i said just to play something as a means of passing the time and then listening to something in the background so i'm not you know like mm. usually i would go out for a run or go out for a walk but um we're in the middle of a storm so <laughs> Having, yeah. uh, you know, Storm... We've got Storm Nora, by the way. We've got a different Storm. We've got... you. U- we've had Eunice. Uh, you... Eunice. I know you've had Eunice. Um, yeah. But we, we have um, Nora, which meant snow on Friday, which
1: is weird. You but... can't ignore her, can you?
0: Oh, God. Um, yeah, so essentially it was just like, okay, I want to I wanna listen to this audiobook I'm listening to. I want to play something while I'm doing it. Obviously watching one piece or playing something and to be honest i have been playing pirate warriors so i'll talk about it in a bit and you can do the same thing but i was like well there's also story going on that sounds
1: bit, like so some impressive multitasking Matt.
0: yeah so i was just like okay i'm just gonna play some othello i'm gonna learn how to play this game well and then i will listen to these audiobooks that's okay that's what i've been doing been all right i've actually managed to talk about othello a board game on this podcast for 20 minutes i'm pretty impressed with that so <laughs> i'm going to pass the ball over to you tom parry what have you I'll, been playing i'd be
1: interested to see if anybody uh, you know gets into othello from your little introduction there
0: oh side note actually before I, I pass over the ball um there are a load of othello games on the ios as you would expect um reverse-y. Uh, there are a couple of official ones, there are Othello branded ones, yeah. there are reverse branded ones. There's no renegade ones. Like I said, I can't figure out no. where that name comes from. A real renegade. Even even on the Nintendo, on the collection, it's just like, oh, it means there's opposing forces. That's where the name comes from. I'm like, yeah, but you made the name up. <laughs> mm. <laughs> like, I, I gr- it's great you've giving a justification. But anyway, point was, I was going to say, I tried a load of them. I would say the best one for what I actually wanted in terms of, like, tutorial and kind of making you think about Othello is this one called Smart Othello. And it's actually developed by a guy, I think, who was, like, the American champion of Othello in 1992. Mm-hmm. And it's great because it's got varying difficulties of AI, but it's also got hints to it. And so when you make bad moves... It warns you and gives you like a little pop-up going like right this is why you don't want to put this here wow
1: uh, yeah
0: and there's also like there, there seems to be a big thing like it is in chess in othello with essentially you can watch like logs of championship games uh-huh. play out which is kind of entertaining. And like you can, you can. I'm just showing Tom a board here. It's like an Othello board, but you can like go back and like see their moves and how their moves affected stuff, which was kind of geeky and kind of nice. Has this
1: at all come from Wordle, perhaps? Because I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, oh, you know, it reminds me. I know it's not the same as Wordle, but it reminds me of the same sort of thing. You're looking at a, a grid of uh, different colour uh, panels, and uh, yeah. Do you think there's any connection to you playing Wordle and then you moving on to Othello or I know the I mean but... to,
0: to be fair, like I maybe there's a social aspect of me wanting to play games with people again that aren't too strenuous and don't yeah. require, you know, a five hundred quid console well, but
1: Marta's sister wasn't looking for Scrabble because she's been playing Wordle.
0: No, actually, nah. it was kind of a coincidence of me going, oh, you like Scrabble? Let me show you something. Okay, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. I, I, funny enough, I, I bought my, first, my, my own Scrabble board this Christmas. I've, yeah. I've, I've never had one on my own. i played it with my grandparents. Um, they've got the deluxe Scrabble. But, uh, oh, interesting. Yeah, it was, so I remember just after Christmas I had uh, some money uh, and I walked in WH Smith, a load of Scrabbles. And I tell you what, the the build quality is not quite as good, especially not the board. But, yeah, if you go in and buy an officially licensed Scrabble game, you can also get Harry Potter Scrabble, did you know that? And Star Wars Scrabble.
0: I'm sure you can. I'm sure you can buy Scrabble of, like, everything.
1: Well, they're the only two I know of. But, anyway, I've got the classic Scrabble. Um, Yeah, I just wanted to mention it, as I've not had a chance to talk about...
0: See, this is the thing. If I were to we were going to talk about Scrabble there's an excellent board game. I will tell you what I will do. I will add it to the show notes of us talking about games because I will explain the game. If you're interested of in ever playing this board game, you can find it in the show notes for this. We bought a game that was essentially like Scrabble with cards. Right. And no board. It there is a board as well, but it's not the same. It's more that you were trying to spell out words. Uh, with the cards in your hand, like much like the letters, but you're not trying to do the same, like up, down, left, right, like vertical and diagonal words. What about words word scores? You
1: know, like double word scores, triple word word scores. That's a big part of Scrabble, isn't it? Where you're placing the tiles is how you're scoring the points.
0: Yeah, it, it doesn't work like that. Oh, right, like okay. I said, it's more it's more about spelling and more about you. I think there's also cards that you have that can like increase your point score and this kind of mm. stuff. Okay. We played it, it was very enjoyable. I can't remember what it's called. Apparently there's also a Scrabble version of this called Scrabble Slam, which I imagine is probably the same thing. But okay. I will put the the name of it in the thing. If it's
1: Interesting. Called. And uh, lastly, to draw a line under it, has playing Othello made you want to eat Oreos at all?
0: What? Yeah, actually, I saw that people have done a version yeah. of it where yeah. essentially you just take the top off an Oreo and then whoever wins gets to eat cookies. And I was like, that sounds pretty good.
1: Yeah, I was just going through the um, the Google Play Store looking at all the different apps. The one you mentioned, Smarter Fellow, doesn't seem to be available on Android. Oh, um,
0: yeah, on Android, there's a very similar one that I think is called Reverse Tutor or something. Okay. So I was looking at it and I wanted to get that. And then I couldn't on iOS. So.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of them. So, uh. Yeah.
0: So, is, suffice to say, though, Tom Parry, probably look out for a biographic on <laughs> Othello coming up.
1: So, biographics coming back.
0: Just for me to talk about Othello some more, wow. yes.
1: Well, you've got to find what you're passionate about, and that's, that's where we, uh, create the content, isn't it?
0: I did actually buy some Game Boy games this week, actually, now that we're talking about this.
1: Mm hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, so. There is I just I've been looking for stuff. Obviously, like I'm I'm near completion of the Game Boy Colour as well as obviously all I need for the Game Boy now is some Japanese titles. And a lot of them aren't a lot of them are text based, a lot of them are purely in Japanese, a lot of them are RPGs. And so if I ever manage to go to Japan again, um I will I will look for them there. But because they're quite pricey, I've not been that bothered. And with me not producing so many biographics recently. I well, none at all. I think it's it's been a year ten months. Yeah. It's almost been a year, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've not really been looking at game by games either. And I mean retro collect going down was a big part of that, me not really knowing what I had. But also just kind of like, okay, I don't I wasn't really into making videos, I didn't really want to do it that much because I was like, Well, I could spend my time doing other stuff it turns out that other stuff is learning board games and watching One Piece. And so I'm like, okay, maybe I should start doing some videos. But I was looking at a site that's based in Denmark called Nintendo Pusherin. And they had some Japanese games. And I was like, okay, great. They did bundles of stuff. There was like nine games for 100 kroner or something like that of Japanese ones. And randomly in one of these bundles, there was a copy of Pokémon Trading Card Game Two, which is quite a pricey game now. So I was like, "Yes, please!" In Japanese, yeah? in Japanese, yeah. In Japanese, but it, it's relatively playable. I I played the original in Japanese. It, mm. you can you can do it, mm. but I just wanted it because I don't have it, and I've seen the price on that game rising. So I was like, "Well, I'll I'll just grab it while I see it cheap." Um, I also picked up this. There's a lot of E.T. games on the Game by Colour for some explicable reason. Like I know it was around the 20th anniversary, so I'm assuming they tie into that.
1: Yeah, so Universal just got a bit trigger-happy with licensing out E.T. for video games.
0: Yeah, I think there's like three (laughs) E.T. games for the Game by (laughs) Colour. Is it Universal? Yeah, it's Universal. One of them is called Cosmic Garden. And it was only released in Germany, so it's not the easiest game to get with a European label. But it is in English, like all the E.T. games, they, they have multiple languages. And so I was like, well, I've never seen this before. It's like seven quid. Why not? I grabbed it. So I got those and I got another Japanese Game Boy game called um something. <laughs> it just a, It was just a Japanese game I didn't have and it was relatively cheap. So I was like, OK, cool. I'll grab that while I see it. So yeah, I bought Game Boy games. So that, that's
1: that's an event because to that, that say that's happened for a while.
0: I mean, other than like every now and again going somewhere and going, oh look at that, there's something I need. Ironically, the enterprise room is also the last place I bought a Game Boy game, and that was in the middle of summer last year before I got COVID. So yeah, it's mm. literally it's almost been a year since I've purchased. So Game,
1: game Boy's Boy. coming back. You had a year off, but but you're coming back.
0: Maybe. Maybe Tom, I'm ne- I'm never seen ever. But I'm yeah, not make any promises here on the podcast. But uh, he's getting
1: back. the uh, the bug again, not the bug. Bug sounds bad. He's getting the urge.
0: Exactly the itch. Let's not say bug, bug. Not games. after COVID.
1: No one's getting a new No, bugs. exactly.
0: I've I've had that twice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. I'm fine for <laughs> bugs for now. Thanks.
1: Unless yeah. it's a bunny. Yeah. So I've been playing a few things. I I did get Grapple Dog, as you might have already seen. Yeah, you I may did. have noticed me playing it on the Switch and I've got my I've got some thoughts on Grapple Dog. I, I oh, can really? share them with you if you like. I've played I think what the first four or five acts of the game. Oh really? So, I'm sort of, Well, not levels. But it's all the first level, isn't it? It's like it well, oh, they all have okay. the same yeah, yeah. I see they still have the same music throughout which yeah. which as much as I like that track, after you've the levels are quite long, you hear that a lot. I kind of feel like it'd be great. I don't want to start off with criticisms of the game, so I've got lots of good stuff to say about it. But that track is wonderful. It sounds like it's ripped straight out of Sonic three. It really does, to the point where it's like does this is this you've got the same melody? I don't know. Anyway, um, you hear it a lot, during the first portion of the game. So I'm hoping that that changes up in the second level. I hope we get another bit of piece of music to listen to. We do. Okay. Oh, good. Do, good. good. Okay. So I think I'm at point now where I've got 25 gems and I need um, to get 30 to progress. Yeah. So, and I have found that the gems, uh, where they're quite straightforward to find at the beginning, as these levels get a little bit more complex, you find yourself not running across them as easily and really having to go out of your way to find them. Yeah. So perhaps on your first playthrough, which is what I was finding, that I wasn't getting all the gems. And I certainly yeah. feel like now, other than the first couple levels where I got them all, I think, I will have to go through and replay the rest of the levels to get those gems.
0: Yeah, did you feel that that was kind of at odds with the pace the game wanted you to play it at?
1: Ah, yes. Okay, so one of the great things about... um. Grapple Dog is the momentum that you build up as you swing through the level. And as you said uh, last time, it feels, in that sense, like Sonic, Mm -hmm. uh, which I really appreciate. Even when he he jumps, he jumps into a ball. (laughs) Yeah. It took (laughs) me a
0: while to get used to. I kept getting hit by enemies. I was like, oh, I forgot. I've got this weird curve to my jump.
1: Yeah, there are a few things you have to sort of get used to, I think, at the beginning of playing Grapple Dog, especially I found myself pressing the wrong button a lot. I wanted to do the uh, grapple, but I was doing the bounce, you know, working out that one's on B, one's on X. Yeah, there
0: is remapping coming very soon, apparently. I've seen the dev posted on Twitter, so I I can't wait for that.
1: Also, (laughs) strangely, the button mapping for selecting stuff at the beginning is on B and not A. I get used to Nintendo games, everything being on A, and it's B, but then sometimes to talk to characters, you do have to press A, yeah, and so I was like, okay, that's a little off, but these aren't huge issues with the game.
0: He's also um, said that that's going to be remapped. There will be like specifically Nintendo Switch controls for that. So yeah,
1: um, but yeah, the momentum is really great, and I, I get what you mean that the the levels, you feel like you want to swing through them and complete them. Yeah, but in order to actually progress in the game, you have to collect the gems. Yeah. So this is a decision to go for a more explorative kind of gameplay style as opposed to uh, you know, just get to the end of the level. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the thing is the level design's so great, it's sort of it's all built around this exploring the level. Yeah. Isn't it? Uh so yeah, I do feel they sort of they are a little at odds with each but other.
0: I, but to be honest with you, like I also kind of feel that same way about Sonic Mania. Is that some of the levels there are labyrinthian.
1: I think, you know, you could compare to Sonic CD in, in the fact that those those levels you have to explore them in order to collect all the emeralds. You know, you have to do this yeah. past future time travel thing. Mm-hmm. And that will mean you have to go through and find things in levels. Uh so yeah, it's sort of it's sort of I think the closest comparison would be Sonic CD. In that respect. But yeah, it's true what you say about Sonic Mania as well. That has got a multi, very multi-tiered sort of uh, progression through it. Um, yeah, so what else did I want to say about Grapple Dog? Um, the ninja rope is like, like... I said it already. The grapple is like the ninja rope in Worms. I just realised it through playing it. The fact yeah. that you can extend as you swing. Mm-hmm. It seems directly out of Worms that. Yeah. Um, and it's implemented so well, it's very satisfying to, to pull off the, the grapples. And there's so many sort of like uh, different mechanisms to progress through the level, cannons that shoot you out and things. and Yeah, there, there's a lot to keep you interested. In those first four acts that I played, each act seemed to introduce a new sort of um, mechanism to, uh, yeah. as you, to help you traverse through the level which really kept things fresh and interesting. I think the the level design was really fresh and interesting throughout the whole bit. The only thing was, as I say, as much as I like the music, now I've got to play through all those levels again and listen to it. Um, it's great to listen to, but I think any good thing you can have too much of a good thing sometimes.
0: Yeah, it's like it's like that point, isn't it, when... Remember radio? Remember when we used to have to like listen to songs that people would subject us mm-hmm. to? I, a vague, I really remember this with the Red Hot Chili Peppers, by the way, hearing that first time and going like, wow, this is a great song, and then being subjected to it for like six months, nonstop on every single radio station, in every single restaurant, in every single bar, was like, okay, cool, I'm done with this now. I never need to hear this song again. Like, as much as I find amusement in Anthony Kida saying steak knife con job, I don't need to hear it. (laughs) No, I, I totally get what you mean.
1: Um... But yeah, they actually, I was saying about the level design, it's it really quite clever, the way it's all yeah. built up and really well designed. And actually, the speed that you move at, Combined with that sort of level design, not only does it remind me of Sonic, but it also reminds me of Super Frog. If you ever played the old Team Seventeen game Super yes. Frog, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. I, I remember I played the, the remastered version on the PS3, and 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 mm-hmm. uh, fell asleep playing it once I was so tired for some reason. Yeah, um, but <laughs> Super Frog, yeah, it's sort of like the look of the the first few levels in um, Grapple Dog, and the speed and the exploitive explorative nature. Reminded me very much of of Super Frog, actually. Um, It's a charming game. The dialogue's funny. You know, I didn't expect to be talking to characters. I didn't expect there to be much of a story element to it. And, you know, I'm not always one for that as it slows gameplay down, especially when this game is sort of a reasonably fast-paced platform game. Um, But, yeah, it's got that sort of charm that a rare game has for instance you know you talk to these animals and they come out with some some funny stuff you know yeah. so uh it it adds to the game's uh, unique charm that part of it does uh, so so that's okay yeah it's not uh, not a criticism of the game at all um, a couple of things though I, w- I would like to say about it was uh, the loading why does this game have to take so long to load it's not like maybe i'm just used to ssd but um sometimes if you let to re- reload a checkpoint in the middle of a level it yeah. takes quite a while so if it'd be great if that could be optimized a minor yeah. a minor thing i can i can live with it but i just wonder why this is an issue on on switch why, why can't it load a little bit faster than it than it I'm does at sure. present. yeah um but yeah, that's everything I have to say about Grapple Dog. I really like it. I, it it's fun. I kept what I kept wanting to keep playing.
0: I told you, I was just like, uh, look, this is so, a gift yeah. from the world to you, Tom Parry. Is a yeah, yeah, no, you, you, you exactly, exactly
1: right. It's such a well done game in so many uh, respects, and you know, I say the core gameplay is fantastic. There's just a few little things which I noticed about it, uh, but it really is a very accomplished. Um, video game. 100%. Well worth picking up. I would I say. Totally so, agree. So, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. It's a strong recommendation from me.
0: Yeah, I'm going to say that I agree with you too, Tom Parry. Um, I played uh, both Pirate Warriors 3 and 4. Um,. And to be honest with you, like I played Pirate Warriors three, I think that game shows his age a little bit. It felt very much like a PS two Dynasty Warriors game for me. It felt very dated. It felt that I was running between points. It was like, it? it's nice to, yeah, it's nice to play the start of the story again, but there's just something about the gameplay here that isn't gelling for me. I played like two hours of it, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna skip on to Pirate Warriors four, which I enjoyed a lot more. If I'm honest, I, I think. Mm. The well each cues... game in the series
1: has been an evolution. Yeah. From what I've played the start of all of them and yeah, I can agree with you. I,
0: I, I think just in terms of visuals, I just think in terms of flow, in how you're actually acting, it is still very much a, a Musha game. It is still very much you running around kicking the arse of a million enemies. The the second mission I think I, I beat up like two thousand five hundred people as Sanji mm. in the like ten minutes a bit, but it was good. It did make me laugh, though, because I was like, oh, cool, I'm going to play Sanji. I imagine in a game like this, playing as a character that's a speed character, as they have different classifications, would be quite fun. And it did give me a warning. that was just like, warning, there's ladies in this mission. Sanji will be ineffective against women. And then I had to try and defeat an enemy. But as people who watch One Piece know, Sanji doesn't hit women. And so I couldn't hit the woman. And so I had to just wait there and watch the NPC of Zora like, chip her down and like, I was like, okay I get why you did this but why they're making a playable character in this mission, this seems really weird besides that criticism I I really enjoyed it, and then I moved on to some Unlimited World Red and I do agree with you Tom Parry I think that is the One Piece game that I wanted, now Mm. it is a bit of a shame that it is a 3DS game that they have upscaled because I was thinking about it after I played Pirate Warriors 3. I was like, okay, actually, what do I want from a One Piece game? Because there's bits of what I've experienced in the different games that I've kind of wanted to be in one thing. Like, with World Seeker, I thought the the idea of it being a story out of time so it didn't have to, like, walk you through all of the things from One Piece I've already seen was a great idea the fact that it was, like, an open world, you could traverse it, I was like, okay, this is kind of what I wanted. But then I was like, well, maybe I wanted a Mushi game, I played the Mushi game as a man, maybe I don't want that. Maybe actually what I want is Kingdom Hearts, but One Piece. And I kind of feel like that is where... Unlimited World Red is. Okay. It kind it kind of reminds me of Birth by Sleep, the PSP Kingdom Hearts game and how it plays.
1: I take it you've played this a little then. How much have you played it so I far? I've
0: played about an hour a bit, I think. Okay, yeah, yeah. I've
1: played about half an hour of it, so you've played more than me. Yeah. So <laughs> just just my initial first impressions of Unlimited World Red is maybe this is, you know, more what you're after. So I'm I'm happy to find out that Perhaps I was along the right lines with that one, uh, because I was a bit like, well, I don't played it much. I hope it's what I think it is, uh, yeah. but it turns out it is sort of what what you want out of a One Piece game.
0: Yeah, I think so. Like I said, the scope of it feels hampered by the fact that it's a three DS game. Although,
1: is it, it, it was 3DS, it because I know it's on three DS, but and it was also on um, PS three as well, yeah. and it was on Wii U. Now, yeah, were those all
0: is, ports of the 3DS game? Those are all ports of the 3DS game. Oh.
1: I thought it and was then, the other way around, like the 3DS game was its own thing, you know. Uh, it was the same game, game, but downscaled from the original.
0: Nope, the 3DS game is the one that is then upscaled. It's available on the PS4, I think on the Xbox as
1: well, and the Switch. Yes, it is, yeah. Uh, I don't think Xbox. I think it's just PS4 and... Um, Ah, oh, that would make sense. And Switch, for, for that one at least. All the yeah. other games like World Seeker and Burning Blood uh, and Pirate Warriors 4 yeah. are on Xbox.
0: Yeah, but yeah. It, it, it feels like a scaled-up 3DS game. I'm not going to lie. You. But it, it's fine. It's kind of what I wanted. I, I wish World Seeker was... Better because I think World Seeker is really what I want. I mm. want like that big open world kind of like Kingdom Heartsy game, set in its own story. Because like honestly, I I haven't played as many of these games as you have in recent months, and I'm already sick of like reliving One Piece moments. I'm just like oh, I I get it. I just want to play as these characters. I
1: want more. Really, because sometimes I felt like when I first started watching One Piece, I was like, I want to find a game where I can do the things I'm watching. Where I can sort of uh, um, reenact these battles with characters I've just watched, you know. Yeah. So that was what I was after, really. Uh, I but there are, you know, there is a lot of it, I guess, throughout the the One Piece games. If you go yeah. back, I was going to say, um, Pirate Warriors One has a lot of different things that you don't normally associate with Musha type games it's it's um, whereas the other Pirate Warriors are more stripped back to sort of core Musha style gameplay the original yeah. Pirate Warriors had some odd sort of like mini game-ish things um, okay. that broke up the uh, action it did ask you to do some different stuff at times and uh, that probably makes it the most unique one but again that starts at the very beginning so yeah. I'd you know, as much as I'd like to recommend that to you, I don't know if it's necessarily what you what you want.
0: No, I mean, this is the the weird thing with it, and like I think, unlimited world from what I've played a bit so far, kind of gets the balance right. In okay, that you are, you know, there is kind of its own story, even it's kind of taking you through some of the old areas. Like the first thing you do is go to Punk Hazard, and like you you are going through those areas, and you are kind of reliving One Piece moments, but framed differently like you fight Mm. the big dragon and you fight caesar on well i don't
1: know because i've not watched that yet
0: and that it's different to how it plays out in Mm. the cartoon it is kind of interesting though because i think i've almost watched a thousand episodes of one piece now in the past three years and i'm like oh yeah fuck i forgot about that
1: (laughs) yeah wow yeah there's so much um it's funny i bought a load of one piece stickers recently i stick them on my laptop but um i went through all the stickers and I'd say over half of those stickers were characters. I had no idea who they were. You know, I had a lot of stickers. So, so I just picked out the ones I knew who they were. And that was hardly any of
0: them. <laughs> well, I mean, this is the thing, right? Is like when I went to Japan, admittedly, last time I was there, I wasn't all on board the One Piece train like I am now. Because that was pre pandemic That was in 2019. Remember those happy days? Mm. Um, And I remember seeing One Piece merch. and Other than like the occasional chopper plush. I was like... I don't really know who these characters are. And obviously, like you know the core cast of One Piece. You know Sanji, you know Zoro, okay. you know Nami. and Of course. Like, lots of Boa Hancock statues, which I still find odd. Cause There's I'm not, not sure enough there.
1: uh, Usopp stuff, though. No. I, uh, I think he's an underappreciated character. I,
0: I do think so. To be fair, right, like, there is an arc to me in Usopp. Like, I hated him for really? a good Because
1: like, he's a bit scaredy cat.
0: Oh, he just the order oh, uses him a lot as like a plot device to to extend stuff, and I kind of really didn't appreciate like he's like, well, if you just did this thing, this fight would have been over, and like because of him bumbling and being scared of
1: stuff. <laughs> or maybe it's because like uh, a... I I like those sort of characters a lot, the Mister Bean type. Uh, I mean, I
0: do too, but like when it. When it's him being that way is a detriment to the story progressing. Then right. I'm just like, oh, get over it. Like,
1: I'm so but... glad he's in. I'd love a, a figure of him because I've just um, finished watching the a part of uh, One Piece Weather on the uh, little garden and yeah, the, with the giants and they yeah. fight Mister Three with the wax mm-hmm. candle yeah. man and stops riding around on the I can't what it's called the bird thing. Yeah. Uh, which is really cool design, and Usopp, with his goggles on on the bird. I just, oh, that looks. He just looks really cool as a character. I've seen mm-hmm. Usopp later, and he's got like muscles, and I'm like, what on earth happened to him? He's really like beefed up.
0: Yeah. So the, the time <laughs> the time skip happens, and after that, like he he is still very much Usopp.
1: Okay. He, he's just got he like ca- a six pack.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He kind of becomes more well rounded as a character. He's still a goofball. He's still yeah. very much like. Anytime anyone does a transformation or whatever, like, or oh, you haven't met Frankie yet, have you, in the show? I've met him oh, in the in uh, games.
1: In games, like the uh, the VR game and such. Yeah. Yeah. He seems like he could be quite entertaining. As a Frankie character. is a cool character. He's
0: yeah. another character, the one he was introduced as, like, oh, I don't know about this, and then. Okay, we're going off talking yeah. about One Piece yeah, too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Gushing <laughs> about One Piece, it's very easy to do. Uh, we've do got to talk ages. about the gunk. Have you finished the gunk? I finished the gunk. Okay, so I'd read online it was about four hours long and that's what I was expecting. I was expecting, oh, I'll play it for like another hour and I'll finish it. The last section of the game, is very challenging and and uh, it took me longer to, to finish the last section of, of the game. Um, there were points in that last part where I thought, I don't know what I'm meant to be doing here, which is the first time i would experienced that in the whole playthrough. Uh, but then, you know, I worked it out. And yeah. I think it was very satisfying uh, having worked it out. And the fact, yeah, you know, it didn't take that long to work it out. But some of the spatial puzzles at the end really do tax you. Uh, but I think you really? know that's to make yeah, to make you feel like you've really achieved something by the time you finish it because up until that point it's relatively straightforward. But it, it does progress. Um, there is a there's a build up to the difficulty of these puzzles, and at the end, yeah, they are pretty tricky. So the game I finished the game in six hours, yep. and that's with getting nearly all the um, upgrades for the character. Uh, so as you go through the world you scan things of interest like aliens or artifacts and as you scan so many things you can then get access to new upgrades but then to install those upgrades you've got to go back to the base camp to the workbench and you also have to have enough resources as you go through the game you're sucking up you know resources from plants and such so I think there's only one or two more things I need to upgrade but you can complete the game without all the upgrades they're just sort of helpful things to have and and I'm, i was probably quite fortunate to have some of them uh, by the end because you'd end up taking quite a lot of damage off, off from the gunk itself which as you is quite dangerous because it starts off just immobile but it moves later on and then it contains little aliens that pop out of it and then you get bigger enemies that are sort of associated with the gunk So um, as it becomes more dangerous, yeah, you really want to have those extra upgrades. But it's an utterly charming game. I thought of, uh, I've really fell for its uh, presentation, its design, the the characters, the look of the game, and also the fact it's all that stuff combined with very solid platforming puzzle gameplay, really solid. And also in a sort of six hour experience, it's sort of like this is what I want out of a game. I could play more games if they had that charm great design and length you know and I really do feel like the gunk has all that in a very neat little package yeah um you know it goes to it has some sort of emotional content as well you know that there's a great uh development to the characters throughout the game and by the end as you're flying away from well as, as, as you're uh as the game ends you and yeah. you and your uh, your friend you're chatting and you know uh, i don't know it's do you... hard to explain but it's got a certain magic to it i would say
0: do you think there will be more gunk do you think i there's... can
1: see them going on more adventures because this is like really sort of like one adventure they land on this planet they're scavengers basically they've got a history there's a past that the main character rani who you play as she's got this metal arm and You know something's happened in the past where she's lost her arm and she's got this and there's a real bond between her and I forget the other character's name, but she's like the pilot of the ship. Uh, You know they've been on past adventures. This is one adventure. It very much is Well, they've moved on. You can certainly see more. But because the gunk is so... revolves around the gunk as a mechanic, I think if he did another game, he'd have to come up with something new. yeah. Uh, a new type of uh, gameplay Um, but yeah I'd certainly like seeing more of these characters and more of this excellent art design that is present in in the gunk Uh, I would rate it very highly, it's the best thing I've played since Biomutant and I think it shares a lot with Biomutant is it has a character and charm like that game does, it also also has um, an environmental message as well, it's not thrust down your throat or anything like that it's 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 there, and I think it's uh, it's a good message to have in a game.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's by image and form, right? It's by the SteamWorld people. Like, I, I think...
1: Oh, the... this is what I want to investigate what else they've done. SteamWorld dig?
0: It's the SteamWorld people, yeah.
1: Wow. I mean, this, to me, feels like a, ve- a big departure. I, yeah. cause I didn't know if this was, like, one of their first games or if they'd had much uh, many other games no i but.
0: mean like steam world dig steam world heist steam world quest like things precede this i'm not surprised that it's a good game and it's resonating with you so highly because even mm. though i kn- i didn't really love steam world dig in terms of how it controlled i really liked the atmosphere of that game i thought it was really well put together I can see why you would say that these characters feel like they have history because I think a lot of the stuff in SteamWorld also feels the same way. It feels like the world is lived in, and it feels like the characters go beyond the world which you're experiencing yeah. when you play. Yeah, well, that's, that's
1: exactly right. Yeah, so, that's, uh... but Gunk is very well made. You know, the the one point in the Gunk where I I forgot where I had to go, but that was more my fault because I'd sort of I was at the point, but then I was like, oh, I want to go back to the base camp. So, so, so. Uh, I went back to the base camp, and then I, I couldn't remember where I went to go meant to go next. Because yeah. actually, because it's the last section of the game, you just go to it from the base camp. You walk to it. Usually, you're using this uh, thing to warp between parts of the world, and usually that, or you go to the warp port portal, and then you know where you're going to go next. But because this went, this part of the game went directly from the main hub, I totally forgot that. So I spent like an hour. I, yeah, I spent like an hour just wandering around uh, the world, which I actually quite enjoyed because the music's really good. But I got a little lost at parts, but I managed to find my way in the end. The gunk is great that it doesn't you rely on the waypoint thing. You know, it's yeah. so cleverly designed, you can explore it without needing waypoints. But you can possibly get a little lost, which was what I did. But um, it was helpful because it allowed me to farm more resources, so I was able to get more upgrades, which inevitably must have helped me uh, at the end of the game. Uh, yeah, um, I know it's not a game that everybody can play because it's. I think only on Xbox. I think it's not even on PC yet. I think, or is it? Um, I think it's no, coming I, to PC.
0: I think. Yeah, you know, it says for Windows, Xbox One, and Series X. I'm just kind of bummed out by the reception of this game, it seems to have gotten like sixes from a lot of places.
1: Maybe, you know, people's expectations are different than mine. It it gave, it gave me exactly what I want from that type of game. Yeah. Um, I think people are maybe a little spoiled nowadays. Uh, also, you know, Biomutant only got like lower scores yeah. yet. Both Biomutant and the gunk have a charm unique to themselves, you yeah. know? Uh, they To me, they really stand out. And, and it's made me think, there's got to be other games like these two out there, you know, that maybe through Xbox Game Pass, I can try a few more. But it's, it's a very me sort of game. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's the way it is with games as it is with films. You know, there's films I like, which have, you know, not very good reviews, but I sort of relate to them. And I think it's possible with a video game to also have that connection where it not necessarily be an amazingly well received game yeah it's got definitely. what i want out of a video game so therefore yeah, i am happy
0: that is the main thing tom barry as long as you are happy that is all that matters at the end of the day
1: and uh, congratulations to image and form for for a really fantastic game same can be said about uh, medallion for grapple dog uh, two great games i've also been playing cyberpunk 2077
0: oh really I have not. I, I almost opened the copy I have. And I was like, oh, do I really well, want to play Cyberpunk?
1: free trial. Free five-hour trial on PS5.
0: Wow. I saw that it's 20 quid as well. Yeah.
1: You can play the first five hours of the game for free.
0: Okay, I'm going to go do that then.
1: <laughs> um, but, you know, you've got the PS4 version. It's upgradable to the PS5 version. So you own yeah, the full game.
0: I'm well aware but I I just don't want to I don't want to open it because I was like what if this I open this and this is shit and I really hate it like at least if it's sealed maybe I can sell it
1: well it's gone down in that you can buy the sealed copy physical copy for under 20 quid now at the minute the same as yeah. the digital copy so uh yeah I wouldn't <laughs> worry about that too much I would say it's worth playing it really is I mean as far as glitches or issues go, I haven't experienced any on PS5. Yeah. I think this game's probably at a point now, technically, where it's, you know, in a very, very good place. Now, I, I didn't experience it in, in its original form, so I don't have that to sort of tarnish my uh, impression of the game. Uh, but I can say it's a visually... The best thing about Cyberpunk is... The visuals and the characters and the world. The, the, the gameplay actually is quite interesting because it does a lot of different things. But it's like um first-person shooter with heavy RPG elements. I was, some people described it as not being an RPG. Yeah. But I would say it's very much a, a role-playing game, you often have to make decisions about things. Now how big the decisions are, how they affect it, I'm not sure. But you have a lot of uh, dialogue choices throughout the game and you do feel like you're playing a role uh, as as you would expect from a role playing game. Uh, Yeah, I'm very impressed with it. I think it's quite linear from my experience. It doesn't feel like a game that's really pushing me to explore the world at all. Right. I think I can if I wanted to stop doing everything but I'm moving from one story mission to the next and the game sort of pushes you, I feel it pushes you towards doing that, it doesn't really give you many, at least where I'm up to in that first section of the game it doesn't really steer you towards just exploring the world and doing side missions right. but something very interesting happened um, at say the 4 hour mark Because so I've actually played it for about just over four hours so I've not used the whole five-hour trial yet but something happens in the story and then the title of the game comes up four hours uh, into okay. it so I think I've pretty much played the introduction section of the game the prologue yeah, yeah I think it's going to open up somewhat now so, I, so I'm going to hold back and say that oh yeah it seems like a linear game well we'll see because I think it is going to open up a bit now there's definitely things I've run into a, as I've played it, that have, you know, um, given me the idea that, oh, yeah, there's more to do here or there. It's just right now I'm very much being steered on this path to doing these story missions. Yeah. And I tell you what, the dialogue is excellent. Script's excellent. The way the characters act feels very um, real. And it's got... It's almost like too much good design and little things in the world to take in. what I've heard. Yeah. Uh, It's a very, really well-built world. Um, And the things that have happened have been quite interesting. There's some um, sort of really like puzzle elements. I had to do this thing called a a brain scan where you sort of go into someone else's brain and you see what they see. And through doing that, you can try and work out, find clues... Because I had to infiltrate um, a building and take something from the building. In order to know where to go to take that something, I had to do this uh, brain scan thing, follow this character around, explore the world, uh, and pause it. You know, you can sort of... It's like you get it as a video sequence. So you can move between what they see and providing what... (laughs) that the character you're looking through the eyes of is around that area that you can kind of warp out of their body and sort of scan around that area to find things. And so that's how you sort of piece together the clues in order to work out what you eventually need to be. There's no way of not doing that. You have to do that in order to... It's sort of like, again, a little linear because there's no way you're going to progress unless you do that. You can't just sort of do that half-heartedly and then try the mission. You have to do it as it says. So there yeah. was
0: there was a game that did that a year or two ago where it was kinda of like you were going into dead people and kind of exploring how they died. I can't remember what that was, but that that it sounds like the version in Cyberpunk is more interesting. Yeah, I,
1: I, I think like. there's no reason, especially not now, if you've got a PS five or Xbox Series X or S, then try cyberpunk you have the option for free if you haven't already tried it see if yeah, you like it. it yeah it's
0: quite quite interesting actually because i was like hmm let me look and i there's a, a, a headline on kotaku uh from friday that says cyberpunk 27 is totally broken for ps4 disc owners
1: <laughs> really yeah oh that's a um, shame
0: it's pretty good if you're on a PS five, particularly because of the haptics, but re-release also addressed a myriad of bugs, the master fifty gig patch. Not everyone is enjoying the new update though as PlayStation Four owners report the disc version of the game is totally busted. I hope that doesn't affect the app I rate. thought the disc disc ver-
1: the disc version would be just like a key to unlock the PS five version.
0: I I think it's perhaps the disc version if played on a PS4 is the, the thing here. I assume, from ah. what I've understand and seen from people installing Well, no it, one's think...
1: going to want to do that, are they, if they have a PS5?
0: No, exactly. But, I mean, a lot of people still don't, Tom. That's yeah, the, a lot of people had on.
1: this game on PS4, were enjoying it, perhaps, to a point, and now this update come out, their version of the game is... Yeah.
0: It's busted. Yeah. God. It's, that must really suck, though. Like, I yeah. hope they offer some kind of thing for the PS4 owners, because, I mean... That game came out in December 2020. We're now in 2022. Yeah. And, like, they've dropped it at a a pretty inconvenient time for most gamers, I would say. Like, Elden Ring is on the horizon. Horizon Forbidden West has just come out. So I guess now Mm. was the time if they were going to do it. But imagine buying that game, it not being great on a PS4 anyway, which is why I steered clear of it. And then for them... Break it
1: further.
0: <laughs> that seems a yeah. Shame.
1: Well, the advice you have to give then, if you want to play it, play it on the. the seems like playing on the PS5. I mean, yeah. this
0: was the the argument when it first launched, right? Like, it should it, could argue it should argue never should.
1: Yeah, it never should have been released on the last gen. You...
0: Well, that's how it goes, Tom. People <laughs> like money, and sometimes those decisions cloud people's judgments. But that's a real
1: shame. It's got this reputation because it is, I think, really. Well worth playing uh, because it is quite unique. I mean, I can't say I played anything quite like it. It did remind me of sort of like uh, Snatcher, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe that's because of the the world, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but the type of game it is, being an RPG, yes, I can sort of associate it with Snatcher. Imagine if I'd played the Blade Runner uh, RPG on PC that perhaps that would also remind me of that. But uh, yeah, yeah. I think it's one that you should play and then we should talk about it a bit more. I
0: can I can do that. I have some time. I will I will install that five-hour... Tr- oh, fuck it, I'll just open the disc if you're saying it's not worth anything anymore anyway. In my brain, right? Because I bought it before... I bought it and then the day after all of the shops shut down because of COVID. Yeah. In my brain, I was like, "I should have taken that game back months ago. I should have taken it back, like in that window." But it complicated the thirty-day return thing th- because of COVID. Mm, I, I, I Never did.
1: I think um, I installed it, you know, through the trial. It's about sixty gig. I could be wrong about that. but I think it's yeah, around that. From
0: moment. what I've seen, the P- the the PlayStation Four to PlayStation Five upgrade path isn't great because
1: you. Well, I've done it, t- it before. With with yeah, PS4 games, partic- it's not great.
0: Particularly though. with this game, you need to install the PS4 version of it. Download the patch for the PS4 version of it. Run it, and then it downloads the PS5 version. I feel oh. it's a bit cack handed in how it's handled.
1: So. Yeah, because all I'm going to do if I, you know, after the five hours, if I still have the urge to play it, which right now I don't know if I'm going to buy it yet. You know, yeah. I I like it, but do I like it enough to even spend twenty quid on it? That is where I'm at right now. I, mean, I think I think I might do. <laughs> But I want to see where it goes after what just happened, because something happened that was like, whoa, big, you know, and I was like, well, how, where's it going to go from here? So I've got 45 minutes to find that out before I have
0: to... just going to remind you, you're quibbling over paying 12 quid for Grapple Dog, a game that you are enraptured by this week. So (laughs) maybe take a plunge, Tom. Maybe, you Um, know, maybe... well you know no, I've learned I've
1: learned the game now to a point you know I've spent all this time learning all the many systems involved in playing this game it's you know it's there's lots of different things going on it's just not like just shooting stuff you know there's all this other brainjacking business that's... Uh, I'm also
0: amazed and... that you've played four hours of a big open-world game, because that's very unlikely.
1: Well, does that say something, then? Does that say that I really like it, or does it say that I'm just trying to play it before they take away my trial? Ah, uh, I mean,
0: <laughs> both are... And also, are I wanted blocked. to play enough
1: of it to talk about it on the podcast, you know?
0: I played, I played like, an hour of Pirate Warriors 3, so, I mean, you know... I'll have a go, on. Well, will, it's that
1: kind I'll... of game where there's a lot of like dialogue and such. So, you know, if you're playing it, you're going to have to play it for a while because you're going to yeah. sit through a lot. Although you do have a button where you can skip through dialogue quickly, like fast forward stuff. I assume that this is a game that would hinder you doing that though, right? Um, like, it, it always throws it up on screen for you to read as well. So you can have a quick look at what's written on the bottom screen, decide if it's interesting or not and skip, but sometimes, if you skip and then it asks you a question yeah, and you haven't what read say, what's like, come before you're like, uh, okay <laughs> I did
0: I did that at the start of The Witcher, when I was just like okay, let's get to the good stuff, and then it bit me in the arse, so, like, I know not to do that in CD product Red games but... <laughs>
1: Um, I would say they, they've achieved something really. I mean, it may have taken a while to get it right, but you know, looking at the game as it is now, it's, a, it's a, quite an achievement. And, uh, it's such well a weird thing, it
0: isn't it? Like when I've seen people obviously have been reasonably upset. I would say about the the 3DS Shop and the Wii U store going down next year. Nintendo's giving people a year's notice.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think that's anything to get too upset about, I personally. I if you want
0: to buy those things, you can buy those things. I've seen yeah. a lot of people be very upset.
1: You've been given but, enough notice if you want to buy them.
0: To be fair, right, like, I, I'm i a bit annoyed about it because it's the same thing that happened with the Wii, right? Like Yeah. Stuff on that it's Wii store twice. that I was like, I should buy this. And I was like, oh, I don't need this. And still, that Castlevania Adventures Resurrection, mm. or whatever it's called, still hasn't been released anywhere else. So, whenever I mean, I, do... I don't
1: think Nintendo are in a rush for this to happen again. If they... See, is that why they're choosing the subscription service route? I don't know. Why can't they keep this as a constant across their next console as well? If they decide to do an eShop for Switch, can't they just connect that eShop to whatever new console they release
0: i i think they'll be smarter about it going forward i think whatever comes after the switch will build on the switch in a way yeah i I think it's got to, to do at,
1: at this point um but they have chosen to do the subscription service which is probably the easier thing to do <laughs> yeah uh, and actually very good value you know just think how much those individual games were costing you on the wii u any n64 game was like like a tenner wasn't it or something yeah you know, just for one game, and now yeah. what you're getting through your subscription is a lot better value now, people might be feeling like they want to own the games well, you know you, there still are ways to own them you know if you're really want no. to own them you, you, so you yeah. can buy them physically. I know that's difficult for some of the more expensive games, but right now, for at least next year, something like Paper Mario, you can still buy on the Wii u that's if you've got a wii u That that's also the thing,
0: yeah. Exactly, it requires you to have the console. And to be fair, right, like I've heard from a lot of people, actually, I should really check mine, that the Wii U is a console that's prone to failing. So
1: Mine's fine. I, I still use mine.
0: Mine's okay, too. Like Apparently, people have had issues with their 3DSs. Uh, um,
1: yeah, I don't, I don't think people should be necessarily angry at Nintendo for you know closing those shops, because it's inevitable. It's got to happen. Uh, I think what people are most annoyed about is there's no current generation way to own the games digitally. And some of those games that are available on those services, as you say, have just disappeared, haven't they? Uh, yeah. So I can see people's frustration, but at the same time, you know, it was going to happen? You know, yeah. it's not I the think... end of the world.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, it is what it is, right? Like, that's... Yeah. That's how it goes. I mean, it sucks, but hey.
1: But we'll we'll get over it. We'll get over it. That was a long way
0: around of me saying of like, <laughs> I think some some parts of video game preservation are just a losing battle. It's like with Cyberpunk, I wanted to say like much like No Man's Sky, the version of the game on the disc is now a very different version of that game. I mean, that's especially true of No Man's Sky. They've even changed it again since that. I suppose yeah, if you wanted
1: did. to sort of freeze it in time, you don't connect to the internet, then the first time you play Cyberpunk, not connect to the internet, you can experience what it was like. Yeah. yeah I guess there is an option to do that, but yeah. how often do you disconnect from the internet? Not very often.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, it's... it's a It's a very, very... No one wants to do that, right? And like everyone wants to preserve stuff, and I get it. And I saw there's a YouTube, uh, Twitter person I follow called Cheesemeister who tends to post a load of interesting things. He lives in Japan. And he was kind of like, "Oh, am I, is my hobby of doing games preservation a losing battle when I see stuff like this? And I'm just like, well, to some extent, yes, because time is fleeting, and I mean, these are all... We love video games, like people like you and I, and those listening. Obviously, are passionate about this, but we sometimes we forget that they are also a consumer product that has a lifespan. And maybe at some point, we should be willing to let go of some of that stuff. I don't know. Like i I don't know what the correct answer is. I, at some point. I think people
1: just miss the old days where you had a game on a cartridge it was never going to change you own that cartridge still today you can plug that cartridge in and it be the same game you remember when you first bought it and uh, yeah things have changed somewhat with the advent of um, digital games and uh, updates but essentially yeah yeah, I guess it, it, it affects certain games more than others you know I don't think the version of Puyo uh, Puyo Tetris has changed that much since it was originally released, you know, whereas something like Cyberpunk is a very different story. <laughs> Nintendo games in general don't seem to change that much. Nintendo yeah. games don't. They sort of... Hmm, yeah, remain oh, well, the same most yeah, the most I,
0: part. I, I feel so. I mean, obviously the way they go on sale... Disappears, but I mean, isn't hasn't that always been true of most games? Like I know we're getting to a good place now where things like Earthbound that were never released or in limited quantities are available in different e shops and these kind of things. I think that's great. I think those medium to be accessible, but at the same time,
1: Earthbound's coming to Switch subscription service, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I'm saying. I just I think us wanting to have everything accessible is very difficult. And I, I understand why people want to preserve video games. I understand why people want these services to run and all these other things, because we have lost films. We have lost books. Like, there are works of Aristotle that just aren't available anymore. And the ones that we even have were only are only available because we back-translated them from Arabic because during... Mm. The medieval times, in the Middle Ages, we lost a lot of that right, and
1: Yeah, like, yeah. I think it's but, something you really like. I own a copy of Biomutant on disc, not because yeah. I need to, but because yeah. I really like that game, and I kind of felt like I wanted to have a copy of it should anything ever happen to the digital side of things. But I don't, I don't think it will so much. I think... And if you buy a game, you own a game digitally. Of course, there's always this feeling that you're only really renting a license to play it. You're not really owning it. But in my experience, everything that I've ever bought, other than what's on the Wii, (laughs) I can still re-download and I still feel like I own that. Actually, Actually, that's not true, is it? Actually, no, it is. Even things you can't buy now, like say Marvel's Capcom Origins or Resident yeah. Evil Four for the 360 digital version, yeah. you can't go in the store and buy that now. But if you bought it in the first place, it's you still, you. you still have access to it. So I haven't really felt like I've been screwed over. Other, I mean, uh, yeah. the only time I've been screwed over is Rock Band. I bought lots of tracks on that, which you know for some reason I don't have them on my Wii anymore, and there's no way I can ever get them. The sure Wii was not a good platform to play rock band on. I no, very much re- regret that decision. I'm sure
0: you can go and I'm sure they're available online. I'm sure someone has done that work where you can hack a Wii and stick them on an SD card. I'm sure that's possible, know. Tom. If you really wanted to, but that's, that's I don't think it will be easy. And then that's yeah. the the opposite argument, right? Is like well. Yeah. Who should be maintaining it? Should it be the company or should it be fans? I, it falls mm. a lot on the fans, I think, to do this, and I think this is why people are upset because now these games won't yeah. be accessible and they will have to do. It.
1: Um, but one thing, that's what's one more thing about this is I remember reading an article on Kotaku uh, a while ago, and it was saying Need for Speed games to be delisted from the store, yeah. right? Um, well, you can still buy them on disc.
0: Yeah, but I, I think
1: um, you can still. They your disc copies will still work you can buy them second hand on disc there's no way in a million years that those games are unplayable by anyone now. No. By delisting from the store hasn't made them inaccessible it's made, it's much cheaper to buy them physically anyway they're in abundance you know, you could fill landfills with them so why anyone's getting upset about Need for Speed games not being available digitally anymore, that logic I do not
0: I think it's Get the accessibility, that's... I think it is, you know, like you still then have to find a copy of Need for Speed, oh, I imagine as soon, as soon as that <laughs> happens, the price of those rises. I'm I don't also know, I think probab- there's
1: too many of them out there for the prices to rise, I don't think that's a game, or a ser- uh, game series. Mate!
0: Mate, there's literally box copies of Pokemon in CEX for 200 quid. Pokemon's like,
1: different. I don't, I don't think it will ever happen with a franchise like Need for Speed. I think there's certain franchises where it's going to happen. Anything Nintendo published. I think it'll,
0: ha- I think it'll happen to everything eventually, Tom. like People will see a means to make a profit, and they will do that. Need for I also, Speed? I, yeah, I mean, I <laughs> hey, we're talking hypotheticals here, but I think... <laughs> I Call think some duty. people are annoyed by hey man, factory sealed copies of Call of Duty sell for a fucking awful lot of money, weirdly enough. Um th- I think the argument is accessibility, right? And like the ability to access stuff. And obviously like the the way the internet is at the moment is weird. You've got people talking about like web three and dividing the internet up into weird little pockets. And I I think people want information to be free. And like we grew up in a world where, obviously, piracy was rife. But generally speaking, if you wanted to know something, you could look it up online you'd be able to find it. And now, as the web kind of constricts and becomes pigeonholed and things are hidden behind paywalls and all this other stuff... Ah,
1: like uh, newspapers. yeah, Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, Web3 from what I've read of it and admittedly I've only read like surface level stuff seems even worse like it would be some of the arguments I've heard for web 3 would actually like compartmentalise the internet even more than paywalls or newspapers already do and that sounds really insidious to me that sounds terrible but also you know there's the same people that don't understand what a video game is and think the the internet will become a video game so a lot of it's just blowing smoke up people's asses Long way around to saying, people want things to be accessible. They want them to be... You know, like, I, it annoyed me when One Piece, like, a, a property that is literally this cartoon that is like, been running for almost 25 years, I couldn't see certain episodes because certain platforms wouldn't let me because they didn't have the licensing Mm. rights within certain things and i was like well let me buy it then let me give you money and i couldn't there was it was really frustrating i couldn't buy it on dvd because it hadn't been released i couldn't purchase it through amazon because they wouldn't allow me to buy it in this region and i was like oh yeah the regions what what do you want me to do then like i literally were willing to pay you for your service to give me this product so i can watch this and i can't and from that lens I get why people would be frustrated. I
1: think it's because we want stuff right away. We're getting used to having stuff available to us very easily whereas this was yes. not the case when we were growing up. Oh, Jesus you know, I sir. remember like getting like region 1 anime DVDs for like 20 quid for like three episodes. Mate, you know? do you remember
0: when something would be on television <laughs> and then you'd never see it again? Do you remember like when literally like the only yeah. way to watch a series was literally to watch it at, at that the time? time. Because then it would never yeah, appear again.
1: There are things that are still only to the now, right now, being re-released on DVD for the first time. Yeah, you know, that like TV shows and things. So we we live in an age where it's better than ever. Yeah, but, but, it is. But because we're used to it, when something like we're talking about happens, ooh, well, <laughs> we, we get a bit.
0: I get it, upset. but I also. I also see the futility in it, if you know what I mean. Like, I understand the want to preserve things, but I also understand that if the companies that aren't... The companies that should be preserving their own stuff aren't doing a good enough job of it, then maybe you have to ask the question, is this... No, actually, I'm not going to ask the question. Is this There's, so I think There's so much
1: content. There's so much content out there, you know... Um... I don't know what I'm trying to say now. I think we've no, been well, out on this subject. No, I, I, I understand um, what you're saying.
0: Like, so, like, if we phrase this a different way, right? There are books, Tom Parry, like, there are best-selling books from, like, 1920 that I cannot tell you that they were loved and revered and, you know, like, accepted as the best thing in the world in the 1920s. Yet you and I don't know them because history has moved on. They are of a time and place. And the stuff that is relevant to our time and place, your things like, you know, golden age of like Russian literature, your Chekhov's, your Dostoevsky's, Mm. they have remained a part of the conversation because people curated and said, no, these things have something to say about the human condition that is still relevant Mm. to us today you're aristotles like i said like they people have saved those works people have translated them into things because they believe that they are of historical importance enough to do that
1: yeah so so people are making a decision to decide what's worth preserving and what's not worth preserving
0: yeah and the and the obviously the the opposite of that which is what i think is going on in video games is everyone's trying to preserve everything mm. and that is the thing that I'm not sure. But then it's like, well, if you don't preserve everything, what do you preserve, and who decides? So who
1: decides what's important enough to preserve? You know, am I? Yeah, is the gunk important enough to preserve? Most people I, would say no, but personally, yeah. I say I think this game should be a- available to people for you know as exactly, long as possible. Like,
0: you know, Biomutant yeah. is not going into that vault, Tom Parry. Biomutant, I mean? yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I get it. it. It's a it's a weird thing. It, it's all hypotheticals anyway, isn't it? It's like, can we preserve everything? Should we preserve everything? Th- these are not conversations that I'm particularly worried about as a person. But I think we have to take
1: away that we're in a pretty good position for accessing media. Even now, all media we thought was lost. Some of it is being made available again. You know, it's a good place to be. Uh, I can understand why there are concerns surrounding video games. But,
0: uh, yeah. What can you do, Tom? What can you do? Oh, well, I love that when we go into a rant at the end of a podcast and both of us (laughs) are out of energy. But hopefully we made a point there. Hopefully Um, we made a point.
1: Yeah. Good chat. Good chat. I hope you've enjoyed that too, uh, dear listeners.
0: I hope it made sense (laughs) to you. And please, if you have angry tweets, don't send them to us. It's okay. I got called a Zoomer the other day on YouTube. What does that mean? It means that I'm Gen Z Tom Parry and I'm, I'm over-complicating things.
1: But you're not, are you?
0: No, well, I I said, right, so... I, I We're
1: millennials, aren't we, We're, technically?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Gen Z is millennial, though, I think.
1: Is it? I yeah. thought that was the one after.
0: Oh, I have no idea, Tom, it doesn't matter. Anyway... <laughs> doesn't really matter. The, yeah, the, the point is, like, someone made a comment on the internet, I was like, oh, you're 11, bless you, it doesn't matter. What? Um, anyways... If you've enjoyed this podcast and enjoyed this long rant of Tom and Matt yell at clouds, you can find us in a variety of places, such as on Facebook.com forward slash Tom and Matt Attack. We're on Twitter at TMAcast, at Tom Perry11 for him, at Game Boy for me. You can also listen to the podcast in a variety of places, such as Tom and Matt forward slash podcast on blastprocess.com, as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. While you're there, give us a cheeky rate and subscribe, et cetera, et cetera. As I said, let us know you're listening. Go on, I will entertain the idea of us talking about this next week. If there's people who have strong opinions about video game preservation, I'm sure you are. That Otherwise, on the you know,
1: we'll just talk about ever the heck we like. I mean, is, we'll, we
0: were going to talk about that anyway. I mean, I talked about a board game for 20 minutes on this episode, so <laughs> perhaps perhaps not the best introductory episode of Tom and Matt Attack, but hopefully you found that interesting as I did. Yeah, that's how it goes. Okay, Tom Been lovely to speak to you, mate. And be sure we'd have a cracking week. I will go play some cyberpunk because I can. And we'll talk about it (laughs) next week. All right. Until then, everybody. Thank you for listening. Game on.
1: Game on.